Let me say welcome to each one of you tonight. We rejoice in this opportunity to be able to come together and to meet and see the installation, see our brother Mark Kozak installed here as the pastor of Roebuck Presbyterian Church. It is indeed a great privilege to do that. I see folks from lots of different churches, and uh, what a wonderful thing that is. Let me remind you that this is actually a meeting of Calvary Presbytery. You say, how can that be? I thought Calvary Presbytery was 16 counties and uh, 48 churches. Well, uh, it's a a Presbytery meeting by way of a commission, and so Presbytery has given uh, a commission, uh, a group of elders, the uh, right and the power to be able to act on its behalf. And so uh, our job tonight is to see Mark Kozak uh, installed. I want to make some brief introductions uh, of the uh, various members of the commission just so you'll know some of the faces you may not recognize and know some of the speakers as they come tonight. Um, I'm Richard Thomas. I'm the pastor at Mount Calvary Presbyterian Church right here uh, in Roebuck as well. And then Dr. Joseph Piper is with us also. Dr. Piper, of course, is a professor of systematic theology and other things as well at Greenville Seminary and uh, was Mark's professor uh, many years ago. And also Dr. Piper is pastor of Antioch Presbyterian Church here as well. And then uh, Zach Groff is with us. And Zach, uh, as well, is pastor at Antioch Presbyterian Church. I want to introduce, as a guest of the commission, a Reverend Bill Hill, uh, who is a friend of Mark's from years ago in seminary together. And uh, we're so glad to have him with us tonight uh, in this glorious occasion as well. And then uh, also making up the commission are the ruling elders of Roebuck Presbyterian Church. You know E.L. Lutz and Rick Hollyfield, Aaron Fulmer, Wade Bruce, and Don Maccabee. But there are other ruling elders here as well making up the commission. Uh, E.C. Burnett is here, right here. And uh, also Al Stevens was appointed to be on the commission but is not well tonight. And so we miss him um, tonight. So um, we're so grateful for these various brothers. This is a solemn occasion. Uh, when we see a minister installed, and uh, so I hope that your heart will be filled with praise and with worship as we do that tonight. I'm going to yield the pulpit to uh, Reverend Hill as he leads us in our first part of worship. Brothers and sisters, I remind you, as we've come this evening, we've come indeed to uh, give honor to the God of heaven, the good shepherd of the sheep who leads this church and installing my friend and brother and soon-to-be pastor here at this church. But we've come, most importantly, uh, to give honor and worship to the living and the true God. So let's stand as we're called to worship him this evening. We're going to hear his call to you uh, to worship him, the triune God, tonight uh, by a reading from Psalm 100. It is a psalm for giving thanks. Let's hear God's call to you as people to give honor and praise to the God of heaven, the good shepherd of the sheep. It's a psalm for giving thanks. We read, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Amen. Let us pray. Our great and glorious triune God, 
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as we have gathered here in your name this evening, we have come indeed to give to you, the God of heaven, the praise, the adoration, the worship that you alone deserve. You are our God, and we are your people. And you have called us this night that we might worship you, praise you, sing to you, and indeed hear from you. And so may you speak to your people this night. May you condescend to our lowly estate. May you meet with us. May you bless us. We ask and pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, let's begin our worship and song. We're going to sing from the, uh, the, um, the hymn book. You have it there in your, in your pew. Hymn number 30, Our God, Our Help in Ages Past. Let's sing together to God's praise. handy we'll use this evening as our corporate confession of faith we'll use the apostles creed it's printed there in your bulletin reminding you that this was not penned by the apostles but it is certainly a glorious and uh, wonderful um, summary of the historic christian faith that which we as christians have always believed about the father the son and the holy spirit and so i ask you congregation what is it that you believe I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, 
suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And as we prepare to hear God's word proclaimed even this evening, let us bow once again before our Father in heaven, asking for his blessing upon the preaching of his word. Father, as we now turn our attention to your word, that is which is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, we ask that through the proclamation of your word, we would hear from our Savior this night, that you might open our eyes, our ears, to that which you have for your church this evening. And may through it we indeed grow closer, walk more carefully uh, with him. Bless your servant as he comes, as he opens your word, as he reads it, as he proclaims it. May you give him the grace that he needs. May you grant to all of us your spirit, we ask for Christ's sake. Amen. You'll join me in the reading of God's word at Titus chapter 1. If you've got your Bible, I hope that you'll join me there at Titus chapter 1. I want to read the entirety of the chapter, but as we pass verse 5, that's where I want us to focus tonight. Um, be reminded that this is God's holy and inspired Word. So we do this as an act of worship even in this moment as we read God's word. Titus chapter 1 verse 1. Paul, a bondservant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledgement of the truth which accords with godliness and hope of eternal life which God who cannot lie promised before time began but has in due time manifested his word through preaching, which was committed to me according to the commandment of God our Savior. To Titus, a true son in our common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ our Savior. For this reason I left you in Crete, that you should set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. If a man is blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of dissipation or insubordination. For a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but hospitable, a lover of what is good, sober-minded, just, holy, self-controlled, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convict those who contradict. For there are many insubordinate, both idle talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision whose mouths must be stopped, 
who subvert whole households, teaching things which they ought not, for the sake of dishonest gain. And one of them, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. And therefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men who turn from the truth. To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But even their mind and conscience are defiled. They profess to know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God abides forever. Let's pray, shall we? Father, we ask that you would condescend now, that you would rend the heavens, and that you would meet with us, and that you would speak to our hearts, and that through your work, through the work of the blessed spirit, that we would be conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus. We ask it in his name. Amen. Amen. On at least three occasions, I've had the privilege to travel to Peru, in fact, to the city of Lima. I was on my way to the jungle to visit missionaries and uh, do some brief work that was there. And there was an interesting observation as you traveled through the streets of Lima, and that is that so many buildings were under construction. Nearly half of them are there. And so I asked, well, what's the deal with all these buildings that are under construction? They said, oh, no, they're not under construction. Um, they just look like that. And I said, what? And so you're driving by and here are these buildings and the top floor, it might be the, the second floor of a, of, a one, of, a, of a building that essentially is one story or a third floor of a two-story building. All this rebar and, 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 and block that didn't look like it was quite ready to be finished, all unfinished. So when asking about this, what I was told is, is if you have an unfinished building, you don't pay taxes on it. <laughs> so everybody left their building unfinished and so the first floor if it was two stories the first two uh, floors looked great and were well finished but the top floor uh, was pretty rough looking unfinished business when we come to verse 5 of this particular passage listen to these words again and listen for the unfinished business that was before Titus there in Crete for this reason I left you in Crete that you should set in order the things that are lacking, the things that are lacking, and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. It seems to me that our God does not like unfinished business as well. In other words, there's a great deal to be done in this world. I want you to think about that here in Spartanburg. I want you to think about that here in the Roebuck Church. There's a lot of unfinished business to be done here. You think about the church here, uh, believers who've walked with the Lord for many years, and yet the Holy Spirit's intent is, is that they die more and more under their sin, and they become more and more alive to the desires and the intentions of the Lord Jesus Christ, that they love those things that he loves, that, that they love his word, that they love souls, that they love discipleship, and they hate those things that he hates as well, that they hate sin and hate it to the degree that they'll repent of that, that they'll confess it 
and that they'll be growing as well. Unfinished business, but not just in Roebuck Church, but in our community as well. Many people to be one to Christ. Um, I wish Al Stevens was here tonight uh, and, and others at Mount Calvary for over 20 years on Friday morning, early in the morning, we've asked God for revival, revival throughout Spartanburg County. And we pray that God would cause that to start as a fire right here in Roebuck and would burn throughout our county and throughout our state. But you think about the people with whom you live, people on your street, people with whom you work, and their need for Christ. There is so much unfinished business. Now, here's the interesting thing. When it came to Crete, when it came to the heart of God, as he inspires Paul to write this letter, he doesn't say, there's unfinished business, therefore we're going to do more advertising. He doesn't say there's unfinished business. There are things that are lacking, and therefore what we're going to do is we're going to start other programs. I'm not saying that all advertisement and programs are bad. He says what we're going to do is we're going to put elders in place. I you to think about that. Isn't that a powerful sentence? Look back at verse 5. For this reason I left you in Crete, that you should set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. If you get your Bible out and you turn to the map section and you find uh, the island of Crete there, you'll finally figure out the island's about 270 miles long. It's about 50 miles wide. And you know what it's about the same size as? Square mileage? It's about the same size as Calvary Presbytery. Slightly different. I ran the numbers. If you multiply 270 by 50, it's not exactly a rectangle there. It's kind of a, a hot dog shape, if you will. It's about 13,000 square miles. I didn't run the exact mileage on Calvary Presbytery, but uh, from Gaffney to Seneca is um, about 100 miles. From Seneca to Newberry, it's about 112 miles. You multiply those numbers together, it's about 11,000. Just a little different. And in those, I don't know, 15, 16 counties that we call Calvary Presbytery, you think there are 100 little burgs, a little, little towns, little cities? think there are 100 there? I think there probably are. Last count, Calvary Presbytery has about 50 churches here. I think there's unfinished business. I think there are people who are left to be reached. I think that there are. There's a lot of unfinished business here. And what God has done, what God did years ago, is he began to work in Mark Kozak's heart. Um, in a sense, this is all began in eternity past, in the eternal decree. God would decree that he would call Mark Kozak to himself and ultimately call him uh, to ministry. Um, he would go, as you read in the bulletin, that he would be called into public accounting. And he would do that for many years. And then he would ask, is this all that there is? And he would go to seminary. He went to Greenville Seminary. Um, he interned with us at Mount Calvary. Uh, God would ultimately call him to Providence Reformed Church in Barbersville, West Virginia. And then he would call him, I told Deborah tonight, he said, finally called him home and <laughs> called him back called him back to Roebuck and we're so glad that he he did but what a glorious process that has been to complete unfinished business that there's still work to do and so uh, I suppose 
Bill might be one of the few that would be from outside of Spartanburg County, but for the rest of us, there's unfinished business for us to do. And we're glad for God to call somebody as gifted and as equipped as Mark Kozak would be to help us in finishing that business. Well, let's look at verse 5 and just consider a few things here. Um, I want you to notice, it, it says, For this reason I left you in Crete, that you should set in order the things that are lacking, to set in order. The word actually communicates to set things straight or to put things right. We actually get our word orthodontist from this word. And what does an orthodontist do? He takes crooked teeth and he makes them straight, makes them, makes them beautiful. And so there's a sense in which there is this setting in order, putting things straight here, that that was the call upon uh, the life of Titus here. And then these things that are lacking, set in order the things that are lacking, those things that remain to be done. We don't know how the church started in uh, Crete. Um, maybe it was um, through those who, we know that there were people at the day of Pentecost who were from Crete. Maybe there were those who were converted and they came back home and they started the church there. We don't know exactly but here's Paul coming and saying what we need is elders here to finish exactly what is lacking. Now, I want us to think just a moment about uh, the idea of calling. Um, as a minister is called to come to this church, and that's exactly what God has done with Mark, he's called him to come and to pastor this church. What makes up a calling? If we turn to our own book of church order, we would find there that it lists three things. That there's the internal call of the Holy Spirit. And long ago, Mark had this, years ago, that he believed in his heart that God the Holy Spirit was saying, I want you to preach the word. I'm calling you to preach the, the word, preach the gospel that's there. There's a second part to uh, calling, and that is the the approbation of God's people, that God's people say, in fact, uh, to someone like Mark, in fact, you are gifted. In fact, we see the gifts for ministry. You are able to communicate cogently. You are able to uh, communicate the word in a way whereby God is pleased to bring change. The inward call of the Holy Spirit, the outward approbation of God's people, they recognize it and approve of that. And then the third part is, is, a, is a concurrence of the church court. And this happened on two levels for Mark. Um, the concurrence of a church court happened at Mount Calvary when he said, hey, I'm called to ministry, want to go to seminary. And the, our session said, yeah, we believe we see those gifts. And we did clearly see those gifts manifested in him. But perhaps more importantly, when he came before a presbytery, in his case it was New River Presbytery that ordained him. New River is up in West Virginia. It was where I was ordained actually uh, as well. Um, they tested him. They ran him through all types of exams on English Bible and theology and our book of church order and the sacraments and church history. They had him write papers and had him uh, uh, write sermons and preach sermons and said, okay, indeed, you are properly qualified in terms of education and what you know to serve. That's the concurrence of a church court. And so he's here before us today. Now, I want to say just a few things about calling um, <clears throat> here very quickly. What about this calling? What are we to make of a calling? 
Well, I want to say as a first observation here is that the church of Jesus Christ, the church broadly and the church of Roebuck as well, ought to recognize such a call. They ought to recognize such a call. <clears throat> if we were to look at passages of Scripture like 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14, we would see there that, uh, that hands were laid on Timothy. This kind of language is also used in 2 Timothy chapter 1. Hands were laid on. And in so doing, elders lay hands on uh, a minister or someone who's about to become a minister. And in so doing, um, through them, God is uh, blessing and giving his affirmation for this person who is being set together. By the way, I think something that's very interesting is when you look <clears throat> excuse me, at the book of Hebrews in chapter 6 and verse 2, there's a passage there that gives us a list of, uh, of elementary things. The writer of Hebrews is saying you ought to have moved on from these elementary things into to deeper things. And you know what one of those things is? One of those things is this doctrine or this thought of laying on of hands. I think many in our day, we kind of think it's strange, you know, this laying on of hands. It's kind of unique. We don't see that a lot. But for the writer of Hebrews and for the Holy Spirit, it was an elementary thing. It's something that we ought to be very aware of and even used to. But we're to recognize such a call. When hands were laid on Timothy, as I've made reference to these various passages, he was actually being called to speak the truth. He was called to read the scriptures. He was called to study the scriptures. He was called to preach the scriptures. He was told not to neglect the gift that was within him. Um, this was the calling that was placed upon him. God was working through ministers to give God's blessing and God's authority to Timothy in this case. Now, you might think as I went through those three parts of a calling, if God the Holy Spirit calls a man, why do we need those other two parts? If God the Holy Spirit has said, hey, uh, I, I want Mark Kozak to serve me in this way, why do we need the outward approbation of God's people? Why do we need the, church, the concurrence of a church court? And here's the answer. The answer is, is that God is always working in the midst of his church. He's always working through the church. In fact, someone has said this, the New Testament does not know Christ apart from his church. You believe that? The New Testament does not know Christ apart from his church and does not know the gifts he bestows except insofar as they will benefit his church. Is this a special night? Is this a solemn night? You better believe it. Because a man is being installed. And it's God who's done the calling. Yes, elders, ruling elders and teaching elders are coming and being the tool that God is using, but God is doing it. So it is a solemn, solemn occasion there. There's another thing I want to point out with regard to this call. And that is this whole matter of authority. I'm not so much talking about Mark's authority, uh, although God has given him some authority. I'm thinking, I'm thinking of the authority of the message that God has given the elders. 
We live in a world where there are so many voices speaking to us. So many agendas that are out there. So much information that is coming to us. And yet, Pastor Kozak is going to say that above all those voices, the voice is the voice of God heard in the word written. What gives him the right to do that? God gives him the right to do that. God gives him the authority to do that. How? Because he is the one who has called him to that particular work. So above the noise and the din of the world, the gospel message rises above all. There's a certain and real authority given to this brother. There's one other observation I want to make, and that is that in this calling there is encouragement. There's encouragement. And it comes to Mark, and it comes to Robot Presbyterian Church. It comes to Mark in this sense that in the difficult days to recall that God in his heaven, God eternal in the heavens, God who is not contained in all of the universe, God who spoke the worlds into existence and when he did he was not tired and no less able to do it all over again, has said Mark Kozak, Robot Presbyterian Church. That's an encouragement to him. But it's an encouragement to you, members of Roebuck Church. It's an encouragement to you to know that God cares enough about you to call anyone, but in this case, particularly Mark Kozak, to be your pastor, called by God. You can look at examples where encouragement was needed. You can look in the scriptures for those examples. You think about the success of the Apostle Paul in Corinth and how, many, how things went so well there, and then he left. And it's, it almost seems like he's not but a mile or two down the road having left town, and things are just falling apart. And you might think that would be so discouraging. And yet when you come back to 2 Corinthians, you know, 1 Corinthians records all the, the problems and the difficulties. When you come back to 2 Corinthians, we read about, this great encouragement that comes from his calling. This second letter is full of assurance. Having been called by God. Having been called by God. I'm thinking of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We have this ministry by the mercy of God. And because we have that calling, because we have this ministry by way of God's mercy, we do not lose heart. Even though people are are fouling up the, the understanding of the Lord's Supper, even though they're suing one another, even though they're saying, I, I'm of Paul, I'm of Cephas, and all these factions that are there, they're acting in such an immature way. We have this ministry, we have this calling by the mercy of God. As a result, we don't lose heart. We continue to grind away in the gospel. Why? Because there is the calling of God, not just on the Apostle Paul, but upon Mark Kozak as well. One other thing I want to mention as I close here. There's unfinished business here. Amen? You know, I look forward to the day when God calls us all home.
And the battle is over, the battle against our sin and our heart and the various issues that are there. And we go home. But until then, aren't you glad that there is a calling upon our lives, that there is ministry to do, that there is, that there is a kingdom here. Uh, you know, you think of the words of, of Revelation, when the kingdoms of this earth become the kingdoms of our God, that, that that's what we're called to do. Isn't that exciting? Isn't that a, a glorious thing for you to be called to do, to say, today I get to... Uh, I'm praying for the opportunity to share the gospel. Today, I, I'm here to, to speak the truth to my coworkers. I, I, I'm here to, to be salt and light, that, that there's something bigger here for me to do other than simply to, to earn a paycheck. There's unfinished business here to do, and praise God that he has called a pastor to Robot Presbyterian Church, and praise the Lord for my brother Mark Kozak. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for uh, your goodness to us. We thank you for your wisdom. And Lord, what, a, what an understatement that is, that an infinitely wise God who understands the intimate details of this little town, of this little county in, in, the, in the scope of, of all the world, and you love this town, in this county. You love this church. And all that wisdom, all that power is brought to bear in this church. And we see it, Father, in that you have called Mark so uh, long ago and you've experienced him now and you've brought him back. Father, we are so excited and we want to give you the praise and the glory and the honor for having done so. Lord, help us to realize, help all of us to realize that there is unfinished business. There's unfinished business in our own hearts and lives, in our own churches, and in our own county. Oh God, would you be pleased to use us? Would the gospel tremble on the tip of our tongue? readily spilling out to those who need it, that your kingdom would be established here. Oh, may Roebuck Church seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness, knowing that all the, the things of this earth will be added unto us. Oh God, how we pray. A great prayer of thanksgiving and praise to you. You've been so good to us. We come in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, let's respond to the preaching of God's word by taking our hymn book, standing and singing hymn number 32. It's great as I faithfulness will sing this to the glory of God.
please be seated. Well, it's my job at this point. I have been appointed the chairman of this commission. Remember, this is Presbytery, come to Roebuck Church and uh, to uh, actually execute this uh, installation service. And um, in our book of church order, there's a paragraph that reads this way. I want you to hear this. The Presbytery member appointed to preside shall afterwards, after the sermon, briefly recite from the pulpit the proceedings of the Presbytery preparatory to ordination. Let me stop there. Um, I think one of the things that I failed to do at the welcome was mention that part of the commission were the elders from Roebuck Church. Um, so if I failed to do that, let me just remind you, E.L., uh, did I do that? Okay, all right. I was I was thinking that I that I failed to do that. Um, but the proceedings of presbytery preparatory to this ordination, um, as I mentioned in the sermon, in eternity past, God foreknew our brother in time and space would call him to uh, himself and save his soul. Would call him to uh, the ministry. He would go to seminary. Um, and in that process, uh, he would do an internship, uh, a thousand hours of labor, and he would preach so many times and teach so many times. And that's a wonderful opportunity to use gifts and to make sure that someone is adequately prepared for the ministry. A great preparation uh, for coming here was 10 years at Providence Reformed Church um, for uh, Mark. Coming here uh, in a transfer, he's examined again. You know, I mentioned those examinations. Uh, well, we make sure he's still orthodox. We examine him about his views and theology and the sacraments and the book of church order and make sure he's squared away. And so he's been through that, went through that uh, here in the last um, week or so. Um, this section of the book also goes uh, on and says, he shall point out the nature and the importance of the ordinance. I think I've done that in the message what an incredible night this is when we see a minister installed. Dr. Piper is very faithful to remind the Presbytery that that ought to be accompanied by fasting, that it's so significant that it ought to be something that we really fast and bathe uh, in prayer um, as well. And then endeavor to impress the audience with the proper sense of solemnity of the transaction that's going on here. It is a solemn occasion. And we're so glad that you can be a part of that. Well, we come to that part in the service, and I uh, would direct you to your order of service where we ask questions. First of all, we ask those questions of the candidate, uh, of the, the one who is the potential pastor here, uh, and then questions to the congregation. So, Mark, could I ask you to stand? I'll be real quick here on this. And Mark, are you now willing to take charge of this congregation as their pastor, agreeable to your declaration in accepting its call? I am. And do you conscientiously believe and declare as far as you know your own heart that in taking upon you this charge, you are influenced by a sincere desire to promote the glory of God and the good of the church? And do you solemnly promise that by the assistance of the grace of God that you will endeavor faithfully to discharge all the duties of a pastor to this congregation and will be careful to maintain a deportment in all respects becoming a minister of the gospel of Christ agreeable to your ordination engagements? I do. Thank you so much. You may be seated. 
Now, I'm going to ask the members of the congregation of Roebuck Presbyterian Church to stand because I need to ask you some questions as well. And these are commitments that you are making to uh, not just to Mark, but really to the Lord um, as well. All of these begin with do you, and so I think a proper response would be we do. Congregation, do you, the people of this congregation, continue to profess your readiness to receive Reverend Mark Kozak, whom you have called to be your pastor? And do you promise to receive the word of truth from his mouth with meekness and love and to submit to him in the due exercise of discipline? And do you promise to encourage him in his labors and to assist his endeavors for your instruction and spiritual edification? And then finally, do you engage to continue to him while he is your pastor that competent worldly maintenance which you have promised and to furnish him with whatever you may see needful for the honor of religion and for his comfort among you? Thank you so much. You may be seated. I'm going to ask Mark to come here and to take a seat here. If you don't know, Mark has had a few orthopedic issues and uh, standing for long periods of time is a little bit rough, so we're glad for him to be able to sit down. And what I want to do now is if you are an elder in a Napark church, uh, an elder in the PCA, other the churches in our uh, greater uh, association, then I would ask you to come forward. We're going to um, actually lay hands on this brother and pray for him. And, um, well, that's exactly right. Um, <laughs> forgive me. That we will come and um, actually give him the right hand of fellowship is what we'll do. So let me invite the elders to come forward and to do that. Mark, we give you the right hand of fellowship to take part in this ministry with us. And I now pronounce and declare that the Reverend Mark Kozak has been regularly elected, ordained, and installed as pastor of this congregation, agreeable to the word of God, and according to the Constitution of the Presbyterian Church in America, and that as such he is entitled to all support, encouragement, honor, and obedience in the Lord in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. 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 God bless you.
Mark and the elders, the opportunity of being here and participating in this service uh, tonight. It's been great not talk to you a lot over the years, but just to see how God's worked in your life, your maturity. And I want to thank the elders here for having this service on a Friday night. It's one of the most important things we do as Presbyterians. And I have been on this kind of one-man crusade to get our congregations to do this so uh, more ministers could take part, but also so that people from the churches could come and see one of the most significant things we do, what it means to be a Presbyterian. So uh, I commend you men for doing I hope we set a pattern here that at least maybe in the Spartanburg side of Presbytery, we'll, uh, we'll start doing this. And one day, maybe, we'll get that revival. We'll just have a Spartanburg Presbytery. <laughs> Mark, I'm going to direct your attention to, uh, and it's beautiful how God puts these things together. I'm actually going to be able to build exactly on what uh, Richard just uh, proclaimed to us. The, the last three verses of 1 Timothy 4, but I want to go ahead and read the a little broader context, start with verse 11. Prescribe and teach these things. Let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech, conduct, love, faith, purity, show yourself an example of those who believe. Until I come, give attention to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and teaching. Now emphasize, do not neglect the spiritual gift within you, which was bestowed on you through the prophetic utterance with the laying on of hands by the presbytery. Take pains with these things, be absorbed in them, so that your progress will be evident to all. Pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Persevere in these things, for as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you. Paul calls you here particularly as a charge, focus on you tonight, but all of us who are ministers and elders, to cultivate two things, to cultivate our gifts and to cultivate our lives. In verses 14 and 15, he tells us to cultivate our gifts. Now, Pastor Thomas has laid, uh, an or given an explanation of what Paul says here, with the, do not neglect the spiritual gift within you, which was bestowed on you, through the prophetic utterance with the laying on of hands by the presbytery. And so that uh, in your ordination, uh, the Lord Christ, um, who had given you gifts for ministry, bestowed on you the gift of eldership and teaching elder and intensified those gifts uh, as he set you on your course as a minister of the gospel. Now, it's on the basis of that that Paul gives this exhortation. It's a twofold exhortation. It's put both um, negatively and positively. So, negatively, uh, what the Spirit says to you and all of us is do not neglect the gift that's in you. Do not neglect the gift of office. Do not neglect the gifts that have been given to you. Uh, you don't begin coasting. Now, you've been in the ministry for 10 years, and you're also a much older man, even than many ministers that have been in the ministry uh, for 10 years. And you've achieved a certain level of, of maturity, and you've been able to hone your gifts to um, a really good level. Um, 
And the temptation then is, particularly when you go to a new place, is I can kind of put this on cruise control now. I've served my time. And now I can come here and, in a sense, the temptation is to, to live off the past and uh, just to coast. And Paul says that you must not do that. You, you must not neglect the office or the cultivation of the gifts necessary for that office. So then he puts it positively just to drive it home and to give some kind of measurement. And he says... Uh, Take pains with these things, and that's actually the, uh, the positive form of the verb, don't neglect. You know, the, the first time simply has a little one uh, letter of negation, and this lacks a letter of negation. And so take pains uh, is uh, don't neglect it, but give yourself to it. And then he adds a really simple thing, uh, be in it. Be in them. My Bible adds the word absorbed, but it's a very tense thing here. You must be devoted then to the cultivation of the gifts that you have, that you have been exercising and using, but that doesn't stop. You must always be about it until you draw your last breath or Christ returns. In fact, you do it in such a way, he says, that your progress will be evident to all. That you're never, none of us, in whatever we do, but particularly as elders uh, and ministers, we are never, ever to think, oh, I've reached a level now where I can just put it here and, and hold it. And, and you know, Because if you're not going up, you're going down. Coasting is downhill. It's declension. It's ministerial declension. It is spiritual declension. And so you want to conduct yourself in the exercise of your gifts as you cultivate your gifts, as you cultivate your office, your ministry, in such a way that others around you, probably more than you'll see it yourself, I hope so, uh, will say, you know, our pastor's growing. Your elders um, and it's hard for us to do this, but to be accountable to our elders and at the end of the year, you know, can you see progress in me? Uh, of course, the best person uh, for that is your wife. And you accept what she has to say. Um, I heard my wife one time on the telephone. She was talking to a very close friend in Houston. We were in California. And I could tell from the, the sentence uh, uh, what was being said. Now, the very close friend liked me way too much so but uh, my wife said yes but he's better now man that is that was great because obviously we're talking about my preaching but yes he's better now and I think if she were here tonight and she would like to be that, that she would uh, you could ask her is he better than he was five years ago I think she would say yes he's better now um, let your progress be evident now I've already touched on the fact that you can't get here in coast because you're, you've got a new church now. But I particularly want to talk about the, your treasury of sermons. You've got 10 years worth of sermons. Now, I think you should use those sermons. I think it would not be good stewardship if you didn't use those sermons as they're appropriate for your congregation. But you don't just use the sermons. You don't just pull them out. No, you approach them in two ways. You restudy. 
you, you read other things. You go back and you meditate on the text, and then you look at the sermons in terms of the people that now you're preaching to. So that every week in the study, as we're dealing with Scripture, it must also be with the congregation uh, in our mind. I'm preaching to these people now. So don't just rehash what you've done. Uh, I, I've heard of too many examples. I remember one time Pastor Robinson used an illustration of personal things he knew. You know, This is why so many ministers move on every three to five years. And after those first three to five years, they don't do a lick of study. No, no. He says, cultivate your gifts so that your progress is evident. But then he adds, I think it's the climax of this whole exhortation that he begins here in verse 11. He adds then in verse 16 to cultivate your life. Pay close attention. Another word that causes us to take heed and, and to be diligent. Take close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Interesting where he starts, isn't it? In Titus, as Paul is instructed about getting uh, Titus elders, he gives those qualifications. And it's the most important part of ministry. Uh, the Spirit does not bless an unholy man. You cannot expect any unction. You cannot expect any movement of, of, of the Spirit of Christ in the people if you're neglecting your own heart. And that's probably the, even an easier temptation. Uh, we're more prone to that temptation maybe than the other one. Because again, and, and we heard this in the sermon, but you know, again, we come to a point, well, now I've been a Christian now for these 50 years or whatever, and, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm all right. Man, as soon as you think I'm all right, you're in trouble. Um, we must be obsessed with personal holiness. You're told to, to follow, you t to tell them to follow me as I follow Christ. Um, and it must be your great desire to become increasingly conformed to the image of the one um, in whom God chose you to be conformed uh, to his image. And so don't neglect your heart. Pursue that sanctification without no one will see the Lord. As Paul says in Romans 6, you are a slave to righteousness unto sanctification. And that means uh, uh, in Christ, by the power of the Spirit, you daily seek to put to death that remnant of sin that's within you. You examine your life by these qualifications that are set before us in Timothy and Titus. And by the law of God, periodically, to go through the, uh, the catechisms, exposition of the law, and prayerfully examine your life. And then, as you're in Christ, sucking life out of Him to grow in conformity to his image and thus don't neglect the means of grace, personal and family worship, good devotional reading, but also feed yourself in your preaching. Be the first recipient of that. But then he says you're also to pay very careful attention to your teaching and he uses the word, it probably means both how you do it and, and what you do. So I've already kind of touched on the how. You must keep cultivating your gifts. But the what, that again, you're never to think that you can start coasting now in terms of your exegetical and theological acumen or ability or knowledge or grasp. Uh, athletically, a muscle, if you don't use it, you lose it. That's true of our minds. It's true of our grasp of biblical truth. And so again, don't... Think you've come to a place now, I don't need to keep learning. 
we're going to keep learning in heaven. So let's just get a head start. And uh, the more we know here, well, a higher class maybe we'll be in when we start learning in heaven. But no, you must be devoted to really continuing to grow, read good, sound theological works and works on, on preaching and, and um, prune yourself to continue to know. And then he gives a, a, just a further exhortation to persevere in these things that you don't stop. I've touched on that, but then that's the final motivation. Because if you persevere in taking heed to yourself and your doctrine, you will ensure salvation, and by that he means sanctification, both for yourself and those who hear you. And so um, you are going to prosper spiritually. Deborah's going to prosper spiritually, and your people are going to prosper spiritually if you indeed will heed this resolution by grace and dependence upon the Lord Jesus Christ. God bless you. My task and privilege this evening to address the congregation of Roebuck Presbyterian Church with a few brief remarks drawn from Scripture, and I'll be reading uh, just a few verses from Ephesians chapter 4 as we consider what it is the Lord is doing tonight and giving to you, Pastor Kozak, as your pastor after a search which I know some of you thought felt like a long time, but really, you made great time in, um, in the Lord bringing this man to you and our brother to you. Ephesians 4, starting at verse 7, But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, When he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Now this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also had descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is himself also he who ascended far above all the heavens so that he might fill all things. And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Again, what a privilege it is to be here and participating in this remarkable occasion in the life of Roebuck Presbyterian Church, in the life of Calvary Presbytery, and in the life of our brother and sister, the Kozaks. It really is a privilege to be here. I was telling Mr. Hagwood and Pastor Chelcha just before the service, this is one of my favorite things to do as a gospel minister, is to participate in installation and ordination services, preferably not on the Lord's Day so that we can have a wider involvement, as Dr. Piper mentioned. Now, this is, as Pastor Thomas mentioned already, and we didn't share notes, but this is something of a homecoming 
as our brother and sister return to the blessed bounds of Spartanburg County. At the same time, though, this is a celebratory event, much like a wedding ceremony or like a birthday party, um, as we together recognize the date that teaching elder Mark Kozak became pastor of Roebuck Presbyterian Church, February 2nd, 2024. And much like a wedding or a birthday party, there's actually a gift exchange taking place here tonight. Brothers and sisters of Roebuck Presbyterian Church, you are not hiring a man tonight. Rather, you are receiving a gift from the ascended Christ. That's how Paul, writing under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, puts it here in Ephesians 4. What he tells us is that Christ, Jesus, our Savior and our Lord, when he ascended into glory and he commenced his exalted work as as king reigning over the church from his heavenly throne beside his heavenly father, this is what he did. He busied himself with this, quote, he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. You know, from our earthly vantage point here under the sun, as we consider what's going on tonight, as as the world around us perhaps hears about what happened this evening and what's been going on here, it might look like Roebuck Presbyterian churches hired a new preacher. They got Pastor Kozak all the way from West Virginia. But turn your eyes heavenward and behold, What is described for us here in Ephesians 4, behold the far more glorious spiritual reality of what it is that is happening this evening. Our exalted Savior who died that we might live, who rose again that we might have hope and assurance of the efficacy of his sin-atoning work on the cross, his conquest over death is now reigning actively and generously on behalf of his church, bestowing gifts upon his bride. He gave his life, and he continues to give all that we need for life, for faith, and for godliness. So, a couple things. How should we receive, how should you receive, rather, the gift that Christ Jesus gives to you this night, a pastor and a teacher here at Roebuck? From Ephesians 4, I have only two directions. I charge you tonight in the first place to recognize the purpose for which Christ has given Pastor Kozak to Roebuck Presbyterian Church. The purpose is not mysterious. It's not some newfangled innovation. It's not even obscure. Christ's purpose in sending and giving Pastor Kozak to this congregation is, quote, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ, end quote. Faithful gospel ministers do this by teaching and preaching the life-giving and all-sufficient word of God to Christ's people. It is in this word that we learn and are built up together what it means to serve the living God, what it means to worship our God in spirit and in truth. Christ's purpose is for your spiritual good as he now builds you up together as his own body by the means of the ministry of the word, that is teaching, preaching, and pastoral care according to the book, according to the word. Pastor Kozak enters into a blessed ongoing work here as 
Paul intimates to us a work with a proven method, one that's been going on for thousands of years, seeing great spiritual fruit in the extension of Christ's kingdom even to the remotest bound, a work that will continue until Christ, our King, returns to claim his bride, a work that will not fail. Recognize what you have here. Not a hireling, not a hired hand, but a man called by God in Christ to be your pastor, a gift from the bridegroom, our Jesus, to his bride, his church, for your good. Now in the second place, recognizing what you have in the second place, I charge you to submit to the sound gospel teaching which Christ intends for you to receive from Pastor Kozak. That's not to say he's infallible or he won't err, But what Christ intends for you to receive from him is the truth. The Spirit directs us through the Apostle, quote again, As a result, we are no longer to be children, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. My friends, if someone gives you a gift, you've got to recognize it not only to be a gift for a particular use, but then you have to handle it appropriately. Now, I suspect many of you ladies wouldn't keep a brand new blender on your mantle. That's not where it goes. It's not going to do you any good on your mantle unless you have a very strange kitchen. And men, I know that we would not get away with keeping a new circular saw in the living room, would we? Or in the shower. No, that's not where it belongs. It's not how to use it. You know, when I get a new book, a new commentary, uh, it always finds its way somehow next to my desk in my study rather than next to my pillow on the bedside table. And it's no trouble for me to remind you this evening that the way a congregation appropriately handles a faithful gospel minister as a gift from the risen Lord is by receiving his teaching and submitting to Christ joyfully, who is revealed to you in, through, and by such teaching. What does this look like practically? Well, our Westminster Larger Catechism has a great section on how to prepare for the preaching of the word and how to, uh, how to benefit from the preaching of the word as you improve upon your baptism. But just very simply, in the first place, prepare for the word. Look forward to the Lord's day. As you do so, consider what it is that Pastor Kozak will be preaching through. Don't let it be a sideshow in your life. Make it the main event. Um, How many of you, when you go out to the movies or go to a show, you look forward to that for a period of time, either who you're going to be with or what it's going to be about, and you you wonder what what are the the dynamics of this event? Is your heart similarly excited and stirred up to come under the preaching of the word each Lord's Day? So think very seriously about the books of the Bible he's preaching through, the text that he's chosen uh, to set before you and and consider it as, uh, as a feast laid out before you. Prepare yourself accordingly. In your preparation, pray. Pray for this man because he is but a man. And then pray for the ministry of the word through him that it would be made effectual. Trusting that the word will not return to him void as he sends it out. And then finally, uh, receive 
Christ's word, for it is from Christ through Pastor Kozak to you that it's coming. You understand that? The second Helvetic Confession, which is not in our book of confessions, it's not one of our confessional documents, but it's in accord in, at very many points with our Westminster Confession of Faith and Large and Shorter Catechisms. The second Helvetic, out of Switzerland, makes it very clear that the preached word is indeed the word of Christ to you. And so esteem it as such, receive it as such. How many of you, if somebody said, Jesus is over there talking right now and, and was speaking the truth, wouldn't you want to go? Wouldn't you want to be excited? Think about church that way. Jesus is speaking there today. That wouldn't be a far-fetched conclusion to draw. Indeed, it comports with scripture. So do not treat your minister as a hired hand. For he's not here on a contract basis. He's not here to entice you with worldly ideas and vain philosophies. And he's not here to be your spiritual consultant from whom you can pick and choose what to take. No, he's bringing Christ to you. He's here to give you Christ Jesus. Remember that. He is Christ's ambassador. He is called to minister to you the word and uh, the teaching of Jesus Christ and about Jesus Christ. What do you want to hear from Pastor Kozak in the years to come? And I said years, perhaps even decades to come. You know, Dr. Piper said you're old, but I don't think you're old. <laughs> Sorry, I'm supposed to be addressing the congregation. What do you want to hear from Pastor Kozak in the years to come? What do you want to hear? Whatever it is you may want to hear, you must remember this that Christ has called him to speak God's word to you, which will involve difficult truths, hard truths, some things which you may not want to hear, but things that you need to receive, things you need to hear with humility, submission, love for Christ, if you're going to be built up together to serve the risen Savior. To do otherwise would be a mark of immaturity and instability, even as Paul lays it out for us, to be as children tossed about by every wind of doctrine. No, receive the truth with love. And notice that the apostle, under the guiding hand of the Holy Spirit of God, ends here on a note of comfort and consolation. It's not of stern rebuke, you know, being the visiting preacher to give a charge to the congregation. I can actually be a bit stern, but Paul is not stern. The Spirit is not harsh. Submission to the truth certainly involves questions and dialogue, back and forth communication, but always in love. For the church, the body of Christ grows in and by the operation of this dynamic of God's love as it finds expression in the communion of the saints. And what a sweet communion you have here at Roebuck Presbyterian Church, one which I enjoy as we gather together on occasion and which I look forward to enjoying now with Pastor Kozak here in your midst. May Christ continue to bless you all as he gives to you all that you need. As we've reflected this evening and have heard many times already, we have as a people uh, much to be very thankful for. Uh, the Lord is so good to his church in providing a pastors, elders, but providing uh, people that he has called out of the world that they might sit at the feet of Christ and hear from him. So let's pray together this evening. 
our time of prayer of thanksgiving, as well as petition, supplication, begging for his mercy and grace upon this congregation, upon you, and upon the ministry of our brother, your pastor, uh, Reverend Mark Kozak, and his wife, uh, Deborah. Pray with me, even as I lead us this evening. My Father in heaven, as we once again bow before the throne of which you and your glory dwells, the angels proclaiming your thrice holy nature. We stand in awe of all that you have purposed to do in the lives of your redeemed people, calling us out of the world, placing us into local bodies of believers here, such as at Roebuck Presbyterian Church, that we together might be knit together in unity and faith and love and guided by the hope of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that you have not treated us as we deserve. You have not treated us as we are deserving of you and your justice, but in your grace and your mercy, you have indeed given us the Savior. And as such, he has given to his people men called by you to guide the sheep of your pasture. So we come with great thanksgiving in our hearts this evening for your kindness, your mercy, and your grace, pleading that you, through the eternal spirit this night, would bring revival not only to this church, but to this county. That through the ministry of this church and its labors as they seek to honor you and, and seek your kingdom first and foremost, denying self and taking up that cross of Christ and following joyfully all that he says, we pray your blessing upon these, your people. We do pray for uh, the new pastor, for Pastor Kozak and his wife, Deborah, as they take upon this work here for Mark, especially as he seeks to labor under your hand, under your guidance that you would grant to him more and more of your spirits, more grace, O Father, may you give to him as he takes this work upon, upon his shoulders. May you continually remind him of your love for him. May you, through him, then certainly apply that same love, demonstrating it to your people here, seeking to guide them in all that you have commanded. Father, we pray that you would be good to your church, that you would be good to this church, that you would help them, Lord, indeed, to walk according to all that you have commanded. So pour out your spirit, pour out your grace, your mercy, your love to them. Even this night, we ask for Christ's sake. Amen. Amen. Well, let's stand as we respond to all that has happened this evening. We're going to sing from hymn number 642, Be Thou My Vision. We should sing it indeed to the praise of the triune God, but sing it prayerfully as well. Hymn 642. And 42. Thank you.
Amen. I'd like to thank you all for being here, all of you, uh, those who participated in the commission and uh, charged myself and the church, and thank you for your service to the Lord. I've been asked to invite you all to our fellowship hall uh, for refreshments. You're welcome to come and join us. If you've not been here before, the best way to get there is through the side door. You can go down the steps or down the ramp, uh, but come join us for a time of refreshment and fellowship if you're able, and to spend time together uh, in fellowship and worshiping our God in that format. But right now, receive words of blessing and peace and kindness from the Lord Jesus Christ as he gives us his benediction. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. We are dismissed.